Welcome to Improving Intimacy, a podcast to help single and married Latter-day Saints strengthen their family connections and marriages. Daniel A. Burgess is the host of Improving Intimacy. Daniel's a marriage and family therapist, father, husband, and author. Here's Daniel on this episode of Improving Intimacy. Welcome to another episode of Improving Intimacy. Today we have Nicole and David on the phone with us, and we're going to explore their journey and how they navigated uh, their sexual relationship, pornography, and even the use of masturbation within their relationship and and what they're doing to prepare their youth or their children, rather, understanding these topics. So, Nicole and David, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having us, Daniel. I nine years old and I have been an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints my whole life. Um, my most recent calling uh, was emergency preparedness coordinator in our ward, uh, but now I am on the Relief Society Activities Committee and we have a five-year-old and a one-year-old baby that we busy and I stay home with them. Yeah, um, and so my name's David. Um, I am a bit older than Nicole. I don't know if that matters for this, but I'm 37. And so we've been married for about seven years. We were both actually divorced before uh, we met each other until we got married um, about seven years ago. And um, I'm also someone who is active in the church, been, been active my whole life as well, uh, served the mission. And um, we just moved recently, so I actually haven't been given a quorum yet. They're still checked for me. Um, I've mostly served uh, in the elders' quorum or in like positions like executive secretary or clerk. Yeah, I think that's probably mostly it. For uh, you both were married previously, and the five-year-old, uh, I'm imagining, is is your biological child since you've been married for seven years. Is that correct? Both of yours. Yes. Okay, and the one-year-old. Uh, no children from the previous marriage? No, none uh, from either of our marriages. How long uh, you both were married previous to this marriage? I was married for two years. Yeah, I was married for a bit longer. I think it was about five and a half years. Five and a half years. And how long were you both uh, single and dated? And, and how long did that courtship last until you guys got married? We were um, single for about two years and we dated about six months before we were married. So you, you both have had quite a background in, in history. Uh, what was it like coming together from previous marriages? What was that like for you both? Was was there a lot of baggage there? Did you have to work through a lot of stuff or did it feel natural or both? Yes, there was absolutely a lot um, learned in our previous marriages and that we were able to apply to this one. We, just little things, David would thank me profusely during every meal that I made for him. And a compliment is nice, but it got to the point that I was like, okay, let's just eat and enjoy the meal without having to praise me. And he explained, after a while, he explained, my ex needed that positive reinforcement. And so I am trained to give it. And so it took me a while to break him of that because I, I don't need uh, words of affirmation or praise in that way. That's, that's not one of my love languages. A simple thank you once is sufficient for me. Um, when it came to sexual things, I came with more baggage than David did because of issues in my first marriage. And those were issues I did not want repeated. And so we had many conversations while we were dating to make sure we would be compatible. I was not willing to be in a marriage that I was not sexually compatible with somebody again. Was not a happy marriage the first time around. And I am a very high desire person, which is not the norm for LDS women. But I know it's something that I need in my life and in my serious relationship to be happy. And so we had lots of open conversations about that. And we've had uh, we've had to continue to have conversations about that, even though we've been married seven years and uh, we've been doing pretty well though. David has been very understanding and very open about that previous aspect of my life and how sometimes I still get triggered over something. Yeah. And to add to that for us, I actually think it was a bit of a positive for us in the fact that since we had gone through 
such a serious relationship where we'd actually been married, had sexual partners in, in marriage previously, and you know, then, then been divorced. It was nice in the fact that we were able to come into our relationship with a very open conversation of, look, here's here's the things that we've gone through beforehand. Here's what I've discovered I'm just not willing to do or put up with, like as it pertains to maybe emotional or, or physical needs. And then we kind of had that, that shared understanding too, because if there was something that came up that was a baggage item and we were having a conversation about it, it became a little bit easier to approach that from a, a mutual place where, you know, after we were going through something, maybe it was something that was coming up that was that was causing an argument or difficulty. What the, Whoever was kind of causing that would probably end up realizing, oh, I'm sorry, this is something that's kind of a baggage from my previous marriage. And it would make it easier for the other spouse to kind of give them some slack and have a little bit of an easier conversation about, okay, I'm sorry, you know, like, how do we adjust this ourselves? Like, what things do you need from um, What things do you think maybe, maybe you should change? We were able to have a more open conversation about it because we were coming from that shared place of understanding of, yeah, there, there are things that can be difficult from having been in a, in a divorce and having been married before. I, I think that's fabulous, David and, and Nicole, that you're able to have those discussions right up front. Were you always aware? I, I like that you pointed out, David, that, you know, if this was previous baggage, but were you always aware, Nicole or David, were you always aware of that baggage being present or, or were there times that things would get difficult or frustrating and you couldn't really put your finger on it? And then you kind of discovered after mulling it over, oh my goodness, this is, this is history from my previous relationship. Or was it pretty clear that this was an ongoing issue? Um, it was both. So there would be things that that we we would have realized. So that was one of the, I think, one of the positives for our relationship that persists to this point is that we were very, very open and honest with each other, even in the dating phase of, of our baggage and, and what it was and what we were aware of what it was. Um, we didn't want to deal with any sort of hidden things. We wanted to just have everything be up front, even if it was something we weren't proud of. Um, but as we did have just regular, you know, things going through marriage or, or whatever it might be, whether that was a, an intimate thing or an emotional thing, uh, we did discover, I think both of us, there'd be something that would come up. And after we kind of argued about it or unpacked it and kind of discussed it, one of us would discover that it was kind of a baggage item and we just hadn't really realized it until we were able to kind of go through it. What about you, Nicole? Was it always clear for you or, or were you experiencing kind of the same things where it was sometimes clear and not, not other times? I think it was very clear the first few years of marriage, but I have been surprised when things are still coming up. I was, like I mentioned, I was only married for two years, but it was very impactful in a lot of ways. And just earlier this month, something came up that made me close off and I really struggled with it, and it took me a few days to realize why I was struggling with it, and it was because it, it triggered me back to a previous experience from my first marriage. And so, at, like I was saying, at the beginning, I was not surprised. I, I was expecting things to come up, and now, it's, since it's not as often, not as frequent, it sometimes catches me off guard that it's a... It's not just a over and done with problem. It's still something that we have to look out for and, and recognize. I like about this is I don't, I, I think it's definitely a factor in those uh, for the, for the listeners who, who may not be aware. I'm also in my second marriage and in a blended family. And so I'm relating a lot to what Nicole and David, what you're saying here. Uh, it was something I experienced both my wife and I experienced immediately into our relationship a little before, but it was definitely more pronounced when we were married. I recall one uh, Saturday morning, I think it might've been the first week after our honeymoon. Uh, and I woke up one s Saturday morning and uh, my wife is out of bed and I'm coming out of the room. And all of a sudden as I'm walking down the hallway towards the, the kitchen, uh, I, I could at least sense or, or I'm aware of what's happening. She's in there cleaning. I can't quite see her yet. And all of a sudden I started to go clammy. Uh, I pell and I, I stopped as I uh, got to the end of the ha hallway where the kitchen was at and I froze. And I had no idea. I thought I was actually sick or having some sort of panic attack, which was 
um, would have been weird at that time in my life. I was very healthy, very emotionally well-balanced and everything else and uh, excited, uh, married to my best friend. Uh, but I stood there frozen and I, I could even feel like cold sweat. And I think it took maybe a minute or so for my wife to notice that I was standing there and she's like, what's going on? And, and I looked at her, I says, I have no idea. And I had to go back to the room and lay down. And after mulling it over for a little while, I realized something I had never connected to dots before on. And that was in my previous relationship, my wife would clean when she was upset with me and she wouldn't say anything. Uh, I, I wouldn't even know she was upset. She would just go through the house and just clean like there was no tomorrow. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized I started associating my wife's, my current wife's behavior with my my previous relationships behavior. And we had to work through that. I, I, it was a very physical reaction. And I was like, oh, no, what am I doing wrong? Did I upset my wife's like, oh, my goodness, I love to clean. This is like the thing that. I do to meditate. And so we had to, I mean, it took some time to work through that. And, uh, uh, and I had to consciously tell myself and she would often say, it's, it's me. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to fix anything. I'm, I'm just cleaning. Uh, but I think the listener, whether they've been married or not, this can also be applied to family traditions because we're raised with, a culture, whether it's our parents or siblings or, or our entire family, and we're bringing that with us into our, our current marriage. And so if you haven't been married before and you're listening to this, I, I'm sure you can relate to, oh yeah, this is part of the struggle I have because this is the way my family did things. And when I see my husband doing this or my wife doing this, I can't make sense of it. And I think this could be a, a good learning experience to say, okay, what is this Part of this is my history, my, my family history or my, my culture coming in this relationship. How will it now look like as, as we try to redefine those behaviors in our, in our relationship? I appreciate you sharing that. So as you're building up this relationship, you're, you're figuring things out. Uh, Nicole, I really like what you're saying there. You, you had to figure out, I didn't want a sexually incompatible relationship. So what did you do specifically to, um, work that out between you and David? How did you ensure, uh, Beyond communicating, what did you do? How frequently? When did it come up or any strategies behind it? Okay, so I had a fantastic bishop um, when I was in my single ward. And I I could just not stop thinking about kissing David. I loved kissing him. I loved spending time kissing him. Um, and we just had so much fun together kissing. And when my bishop noticed that I was dating, because he knew that I had been previously married, he checked in with me and I did tell him, like, I am so crazy attracted to him. I am struggling. And the bishop said, oh, thank goodness, because if you weren't struggling, I would be worried about you. And that gave me so much relief. Um, and he normalized it, that this crazy attraction that I thought was crazy, he normalized it. It was not crazy to him. He said he would be worried if that wasn't there. And so I thought that was very helpful for me. Um, we, we definitely communicated a lot about our sexual history. And we spent a lot of time together. We did not have sex before marriage, for those people that are wondering. But we definitely pushed some limits that my bishop knew about and was comfortable he did have a slightly different reaction uh, from his priesthood leaders, which, you know, Bishop Roulette sometimes an issue. Yep. And I think, I don't know if it's because I am a woman and David is a man, and so they look at us differently. I don't know. But I felt very supported by my bishop as I was, which is a weird thing to say. But, you know, I feel like sometimes women in the church, we are we are just supposed to stay in this perfect, pristine virgin state like the wonderful Virgin Mary, um, even after we're married, which doesn't make sense. And so I really liked how my bishop normalized it. He helped me. He supported me. And it was fine. He, he was proud of me for investigating if I was going to be happy in this relationship as we're approaching marriage. David, so she, Nicole was saying how Bishop Roulette kind of thing. Did, did the bishop, I don't know, I guess maybe, did you guys have the same bishop or were you guys seeing, 
different bishops or how did that work? Um, yeah, we, we had different bishops. Um, we were in different areas at the time. And so we were both within a singles ward, but different singles wards, um, as we were in an area where there was lots of singles wards. But, um, Mine was, was different in a way, but the, the bishop thing didn't really affect me much until the end when we were we were kind of doing interviews and stuff to, to do temple. Um, before that, it wasn't really a big deal. But um, for, for me, I mean, the experience was very similar. I don't know. I went through a little bit of a, of a change myself. I was fairly straight-laced in many different ways before, beforehand and with my previous marriage. And after getting divorced and kind of just dating and and doing normal things, um, I kind of just came to realize that, you know, the physical relationship was very important to me. And I felt that it was both a fun aspect of dating in an appropriate way, um, not taking it too far, which, which as Nicole mentioned, we probably did a little bit sometimes, but, but being able to kind of have that compatibility and, and, have fun when you're dating in, in various different ways and also just kind of get to know one another that you will be comfortable. We, Nicole and I have talked about this often about just how important our physical sexual relationship has been. And I mean, talking about our last thing that we mentioned with, you know, having gone through divorce and having had, have, ha, having items that come up. Um, I feel like our physical relationship is one of the keystones that that keeps us in a good place, even if something else is a little bit difficult, because we set such a good uh, foundation and establishment for that right from the start. And for me, uh, for Nicole, you know, she mentioned how the bishop had helped her. For me, actually, one of the big helps was a really good friend of mine who was uh, a bit, well, he's, he's a little bit older than me, but we were both kind of, you know, older single guys in the church at that point in time. We were kind of late late 20s, maybe early 30s. And um, we had kind of come to realize he, he hadn't been married before, but he'd been engaged a couple of times or some different things. But we've come to realize how important that is and how it's not something that you need to kind of be ashamed about, you know, being attracted to a woman or wanting to be physical or, or having, you know, a sex drive or whatever. Um, and so it's something he and I actually talked about at times. And, and you know, it, it helped me kind of realize that, uh, it's good to be in a good, you know, it's good to have that good chemistry. It's good to, to know that, you know, once, once you're married, that you're going to have a good time with that physical relationship and it can be a pillar of strength for you. I'm really, I, I really like hearing how both of you have had two separate experiences, very similar and how the Bishop was, very uh, normalizing, even encouraging about your sexual attraction towards each other. And typically we, we, I, at least I often hear maybe a little of that. I, I don't want to disparage any bishops out there. I think there's a very big, but sometimes the caution is placed more on the, um, yeah, this is an issue. Do everything you can to avoid it. But it sounded like he was very supportive and and knowing that this is a beautiful thing and it should be happening while also supporting you in, in the dating phase and, and getting married. Yep, you're spot on. Great. That's wonderful. So you guys get married. Now you're navigating the, the sexual relationship uh, in your marriage, discussing it. You have the baggage there. Is it okay if I stop you for a minute? Okay. We get married and we had an amazing honeymoon. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. You <laughs> don't want that I've, out I want that out there. I've had so many friends that have had a lot of struggles on their honeymoon. My first honeymoon and my husband's first honeymoon um, definitely fell into that category of it was a struggle. It was very disheartening, disappointing, emotionally traumatizing in some ways. And that second honeymoon, that honeymoon that David and I went on together was amazing. There was no awkward moments. There was no miscommunication. There was no crying. <laughs> It was just fun. We were we were we were having fun. We just had fun and enjoyed one another. We couldn't get the bread maker to work at the hotel, but other than that, we had a great. The, the, did you say the bread maker? It's the bread maker. They had these bread makers in every room. We couldn't get it to work. <laughs> they pitied us. They felt so bad for us. I don't know if I'd be worried about a bread bread maker, but uh, <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> bread maker. Well, the, the, 
the sex was amazing. The honeymoon was amazing. What do you, what would you contribute that to? What's that? Okay. What I would contribute that to starting off, we, we had issues with getting a temple clearance on David's side. And so we did not get married in the temple um, because of that issue from um, with his priesthood leaders and his ex. So we got married civilly and because I was married civilly, I decided I was going to wear a going away dress instead of my wedding dress. And I wore lingerie under, so there wasn't even garments. I wore lingerie, some fabulous Victoria's Secret <laughs> uh, lingerie under my going away dress. And so I was ready. Like the minute we got in the car, I was ready. Unfortunately, we had to drive the cabin <laughs> that we had to look forward to. But, um, I mean, as soon as we closed the door and left our family behind, the flirting, just it started right away. So no garments. No garments. I guess are there couples out there who are, who are saying, okay, well, I want to have my garments on. Can I still have this kind of fun? Uh, but for you, it was freeing yourself completely and giving yourself completely to your spouse and not let anything hold you back. And for whatever reason, the garments were one of those things that would have uh, emotionally, spiritually, and physically held you back. Is is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Because of our conversations that we had had, I understood that David was a very visual man. Garments are not visually appealing. I don't care who says otherwise. I personally always think of my grandma or my mom when I see garments. I did not want David thinking that. <laughs> we don't want grandma there. We don't want grandma there. <laughs> Let's get grandma. No, we don't want grandma there. So, no, I, I, I understood before we got married that he was a visual man. And, and I chose lingerie uh, with him in mind of what he would find visually appealing. I, I, ab- I absolutely love that. So I think that was key right there is n- not only was it you wearing garments in your mind, it brought in all this other stuff. In fact, I have to talk to couples who we, we as an LDS culture seem to bring a lot of people into the bedroom and it could be grandma because of the, the, the garments reminding you of that or our leaders or our family or what people will think. You went through this process of saying, what does David want? What's visually appealing to him and what's going to allow me to be there for him and for me to experience it. And you eliminated, you eliminated those obstacles and, and got sexy for yourself and for David. That's awesome. That is absolutely. Uh, David, did it work? That's the big question. Oh, yeah, did it of course it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but like Nicole says, I mean, that's something that she knew about me. Um, she knew that I really liked that look. Um, for me, it was, it was, you know, a very exciting aspect um, of the marriage. I knew we were getting married. We were getting married for the right reason. And we had, you know, the appropriate eternal perspective in mind. But at the same time, it was really fun to know that she was wearing something skimpy under that dress that I was going to be able to enjoy later because we were married. We had that aspect now. That was something that we had been working for. We spent time getting to know each other really well emotionally um, and, and physically in many different ways. But now it was the time that we had to really focus on some of those other things that, that we were free to do so. And so, yeah, that was an exciting thing. It was something that really set that tone. Um, and it was something that kind of helped us establish, kind of like you were saying, the fact that we really wanted that to be, and we didn't fully understand it yet at that time. I think we kind of understood it more as time has gone on, what, what you were saying, but we wanted it to be that in the bedroom, it's our bedroom, we're in charge of our bedroom, and it doesn't, no one needs to know necessarily what we do in our bedroom because it's just for us and it's part of our relationship. And so we do what's going to make each other happy. I love that. What about you, David? Did you do anything special on your end for Nicole? Um, <laughs> that that, well, that yeah, you, well, you, you feel comfortable in sharing? Well, no, sure. Um, Nicole was just reminding me. I mean, so she had brought up that specific instance of, of getting ready for a uh, for the honeymoon, um, one of the things that I had done is I knew that Nicole um, had a very playful set and, and kind of liked to 
to have that staple spirit. And so I, I had purchased a, a game for us to take on our honeymoon. It was a triple X Opoly game, actually, um, that, that we could play that I thought would be kind of a fun way to get to know each other a little bit more in a, in a physical sense. And those are generally the types of things that I would look for. Um, Nicole knows what I like, and, and, and we're always learning new things, of course, but I'll usually do something like that, or I'll try to um, try to find something either playful or, uh, you know, sometimes for, for Nicole, it's still, even though she is a very high libido woman, there's, you know, different times that, that what I do is I, you know, I clean the dishes. <laughs> or I take care of the kids or something like that um, so that she has that time to relax and mentally kind of get into a good state where she can have fun or she can, she can be in the right, you know, sexy mood or whatever it might need to be. So what do you two feel about uh, involving toys, vibrators, things to help you out in the bedroom? Was that, is that a part of your sexual relationship? Yeah, they did bought the game um, and took it on our honeymoon and since then we have incorporated a variety of things um, we have some fun strip tease cards and some role playing cards we love role playing um, and you know doing massage oils and toys um, a little bit of bondage uh, we definitely like to try variety I don't think that I think we're both secretly worried about getting in a rut. We actually don't have sex very often in our bedroom um, and not very often in our bed. It's too traditional for me. Oh, okay. (laughs) Elaborate a little bit more so the the listeners understand. I'm picking up full well. So you're saying you get creative outside of the bedroom, whether that's, uh, do you mind sharing, elaborating on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have had some fabulous dates in nature and uh, that is when we love to get frisky and it's not anywhere where other people will be. One time was at a volcano in Hawaii where nobody else was at, but we had so much fun. We took lots of pictures of each other um, in various states of unrest and, and flirted along the way and we were, you know, physically affectionate with one another there was another um, date where nobody was around at a frisbee golf course, and that turned into quite the sexual adventure for us. Um, you know, pulling off on the highway. We've, we've done quite a few different things in various locations. And even when we're at home, um, we have a fabulous shower with a double shower head, <laughs> and it's very spacious. And our bedroom is on the opposite end of the house as our children. And so we enjoy um, utilizing our, our shower. So we don't actually have sex in our bed very often. Beds are for sleeping. Well, is, <laughs> Maybe it, some cuddling. About it. Is, is that intentional that, uh, or is that more of a just uh, sexual fulfillment where you designate the bed is, is the sleeping area and nothing else happens there. Uh, or is that just because you don't enjoy having sex in bed? W- w- what's the driver behind that one? Let me take that for a second while Nicole thinks and her answer might be slightly different from mine. Um, I, I wouldn't say that the bed is like completely off limits. Uh, it's, it, I think, you know, for Nicole, it is a little bit of that. Um, she doesn't want our sexual relationship to be, you know, humdrum, <laughs> you know, missionary position in the bed. Uh, and so we do like to play around a bit and, and have sex in different locations. Um, but I think, I, I don't know, and for me, I don't really care uh, where we have sex. It doesn't, doesn't matter too much if it's, you know, in the closet or in the bed. Uh, but I think part of that is is just that desire to keep things a little bit fresh and fun. And also for me, I do enjoy kind of a spontaneous sexual encounter with my wife. And so we kind of do that on purpose sometimes to keep things a little bit more fun where it's a little bit more enjoyable that, you know, the kids are down for a nap. We have a couple minutes and we go in and lock the door to the closet and have sex in the closet, as opposed to getting on the bed or pulling back the covers or something like that. 
we, we enjoy that feeling of spontaneity and just, you know, we love each other and we have a moment. We're throwing 50. Let's go. I like that. I think that's uh, something I'm finding at least more and more of my LDS clientele are very interested in is exploring outside of the bedroom. And I think that's a very healthy dynamic in a relationship when things get locked into one area. Now I'm not suggesting by any means that only having sex in bed is, is an unhealthy thing. Uh, but I think there is that variety that's important to change it up, to make it a part of your life. And I like what you're saying. Also, you're not taking unnecessary risk. You're not doing this in a place where you know you're going to get caught. You're taking appropriate measures to um, be private, uh, but yet have an exciting time with it. And so that's I, I really enjoy hearing that. So now you're in your relationship. Um, issues arise. Uh, you've mentioned that you both have had to navigate pornography in the relationship. Tell us a little bit more about that. I, uh, when I was married previously, my ex-husband made it very clear that he did not like me reading certain books. Um, any books that had any type of cover on it with somebody with exposed skin or anything that looked like it could be a romance novel at all. He was very uncomfortable with that. So um, when I was married to him, I love reading, but when I was married to him, I just read a lot of thrillers and murder mysteries because that's what he felt comfortable in. And it drove me nuts. And I, I'm against censorship, but I felt like he censored a lot of what I read and what I watched on TV because of his insecurity with his sexuality. And once I met David and David loved to read as well. And he made it clear he would wanted to read whatever he wanted to read. And I was welcome to read whatever I wanted to read. And so I had been able to dive into um, the reading world again, really. And it is much fun because it's not that I am fantasizing myself with those uh, people that I'm reading about at all. I am fantasizing about my husband and I, uh, things that we can try, situations that we can role play. I absolutely love it. I've, I've taken some ideas from it and it has been very thrilling for us. And at the end of the day, um, with the kids, it's nice to sit down. We, we always take a few minutes, you know, half an hour, an hour um, or so to have some relaxing time to kind of unwind from the day. And so that might be some time that I, I spend some time reading and, and relaxing and getting pumped up and ready to be with David. Even if we don't end up having sex, just being able to uh, be touched because sometimes as moms we feel touched out. We we are touched all day long by these kids and these sticky fingers. Sometimes we don't want to be touched, but by taking this time for myself and relaxing and reading and putting myself in a different situation and environment, I am able to fully turn the wheels back on and be ready to be in any sort of setting with David. So these novels, they were helping, or they are helping you turn towards David. Absolutely, yeah. And sometimes we have we have a joint account, and David can see everything that I read, and occasionally I'll tell him. Okay, there's been some books that I've had to put down because they are outright different or they're, you know, pushing some boundaries that I don't feel comfortable with. So if you read them, don't judge me and think that that's what gets me off. And he understands that we have that open communication that he will pick up and read some of the books that I've read or books that I haven't read yet. And he almost spoils the ending for me. But um, we have that open communication that he can see what I'm reading. It's not some secret. We're very open about it. I'm not ashamed of it. He's not awkward about it at all. It's fun for us and, and we're enjoying it together. So there's a couple of things I'm hearing in there is the one in your previous relationship, you being told what you can and can't read, which was not only frustrating, it was shutting down your desire and to be able to even share that with your spouse. So here you're pursuing these fantasy novels or, or whatever books you're reading here, getting your 
motor running and you're able to turn immediately to David and turn this into a partner thing. And David's reading it, almost destroying the ending for you. But you are you're engaging together and this is making your your sexual relationship more fulfilling. What would you say to people who are like, it doesn't matter. You're reading things that are inappropriate. I feel very, I just feel very comfortable with it. I feel like we all, I don't read violent things. I don't feel comfortable with violent things. I know some people do feel comfortable with violent things. We each have our own threshold of what we feel comfortable reading, viewing with movies or TV. And I'm not going to tell somebody, you can't watch, you know, this show because it is way too violent. I'm not going to do that. I feel very comfortable with what I'm reading. I I feel like I could, if I, if a bishop asked me, I would be comfortable in telling him, yes, I, I read this. And I don't feel like I would get my simple recommend taken away. I think the takeaway from there is, is you feel comfortable with what you're doing. And again, it's bringing you closer in your relationship with David and in turn with the Lord. Because when you bring yourselves together in a relationship, you're doing this together and drawing yourself closer together and to the Lord. So absolutely. And I like what you said there. I'm not going to tell somebody else what they can and can't read or, or watch, whether it's violent, they have to determine that for themselves. David, what about you? How are you navigating this topic? I mean, I don't know if I personally would be, I realize some people have, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're reading specifically, Nicole, but uh, calling that pornography or, uh, labeling it as such, or even feeling like that has to be disclosed to, to leadership. Again, we're bringing leadership into the bedroom in our heart or arousal, which I, I think kills desire and even our own communication with the Lord. Um, similar things on your, your side, David, or is this what you've incorporated? It sounds like you, you're reading what Nicole's reading. Uh, is this helping you out? Uh, what's, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, no, my perspective is very similar. Um, I mean, especially when it comes to reading, and I'm a very non-judgmental person by nature. Um, I, I'm very much, that's just kind of part of my, my makeup is that I know that there's always things that can be different for one person to another, or I have no, no, you know, reason to judge anyone for, for things that they do. And I think that's, that helps a little bit with the very open relationship that Nicole and I have that, like, I really don't feel, I mean, if she told me that she, she read something that she just thought was too far and and didn't like it. And it was just, you know, that was past her threshold. I honestly wouldn't feel concerned by that. I'd be like, Oh, I'm sorry that that, that was something that didn't work for you. Um, and it's one of the, one of the benefits I think for our relationship. I mean, for me, I, I like to read a lot and every now and then I'll read some of the books that she has. Cause sometimes they have pretty good stories. And sometimes I'll read it and I'll kind of skip over the sexy parts. And other times I'll read it and I'll get kind of the same reaction that she had. It like, you know, it will kind of amp me up for for our relationship. Um, I feel like when it comes to kind of your question earlier about, you know, what would you say to other people? For me, it's, a, it's slightly different. I don't necessarily worry about, you know, what my bishop thinks. Because I feel like that's something that in this case is part of the bedroom for us. It's part of our it's part of our relationship. If, you know, if it is completely fine and a beautiful thing for us to have sex as part of our relationship, then learning about other ways to have sex or even watching someone else, you know, have sex on like a, like a pornography type video or something. If that was what brought us closer together, then I don't necessarily see an issue with that. Um, and it, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of need to evaluate in my mind, at least, what your intentions are and what type of reaction you're having to it. But if you're reading a book or watching something and what you're thinking or what it's, what it's doing is you're doing that because you do not have that in your relationship, then that can be a problem. Um, and that's maybe not even the problem of the material. That can be just a problem that, that you're highlighting something that's missing within your own relationship. If you have a healthy, active sexual relationship with your partner, I feel like it, then it doesn't necessarily matter as long as as long as you aren't doing something in a way that you know feels like you're, you're going away from your partner. If it leads you to your partner, and kind of similar to what Nicole was saying, then I don't necessarily see any issue with that. And and so that's kind of the way that I I navigate that as well in our relationship. Is you know 
if it's something that, that brings us closer together and, and it's something that kind of as we're doing together as part of our relationship, then that's up to us. Um, but if you've got somebody who's in a bad relationship or, or wanting something or, you know, they're viewing pornography because they don't have a healthy sexual relationship, I would just, I would say that kind of indicates that maybe you need to fix the sexual relationship first. And, and maybe it wouldn't be an issue if you were really being fulfilled in, in the relationship that you've got. David and Nicole, what, what I really value uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, how you're navigating, what material, what things to read and, and discuss about your sexuality is it's not one-sided. And I think that's key in this process of discovering sexuality in your relationship and, and, and making it one with each other. You're, you're not off reading secretively uh, your own books over there, not sharing with David. You're making this a mutual benefit for, for both of you. Uh, and I, I think that's probably where it becomes problematic is whether it's books or other things that maybe help us get our motor running as we're doing it in secret. But even when you're uncomfortable with something, Nicole, you're sharing it with David and, and his response is, wow, I'm sorry that caused that reaction for you. It's not like, oh yeah, you shouldn't be reading that, which is sometimes what we get in relationships. It's like, you shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. It's, you know, punishing, uh, as opposed to empathy and inviting and even being able to share, ah, this really didn't do it for me is becoming one. It's being able to be open in, in all these topics. And so I find that really beautiful. And I hope that others are learning to navigate as they're listening to this. And so I'm curious, what about masturbation? Do you guys incorporate masturbation into your sexual relationship? So let me, let me kind of give you a little, little story on that one, actually, because as, as a guy from my side, I actually hadn't masturbated before we got married. Um, wasn't something that had ever really been much of a concern or a draw for me. Um, but we kind of discovered as we, as we were married for a while and just being in our open relationship that when we were away from each other, that, uh, it could be pretty difficult. We were very used to being close together. And so if I went on a business trip or something and we've gone for a week or or two, that could be a little bit hard for us to, to be far away. And so being a visual person, you know, one of the first things that would kind of come to my mind is that, you know, I would view pornography or something like that. That would be something that would come up or let's, let's just call that a temptation. Um, and so we, we kind of talked about that at one of the times that I was gone. And that was a little bit of a hard leap for me to take that basically we could do something like we could video chat and we could, we could masturbate to each other. Um, and Nicole being, being, you know, awesome the way that she is, she would send me pictures or, she would even record a video and send it to me. And so that would be something that I could have to kind of provide some of that physical, I, I don't know, intimacy or whatever, kind of, you know, cover the horniness basically in some way um, of being apart. But we kind of had to come to that, that, that arrival. It was probably more for me than for Nicole, but that, hey, you know, we like to be together. We like to touch each other. When we're apart, good to stay connected. It's good to stay, you know, to know that we miss each other and that we, we enjoy each other's company. And so this is something that, that could be okay. So I don't know that we do it too much necessarily when we're just here around together because we can just have, you know, regular sex or whatever manner of sex that we want to have. But when we're, when we're apart, that is something that we do sometimes because it's, uh, it's useful for us to feel close to each other, even across the distance. We have the tools of, you know, doing a video chat or something like that. And uh, and it is something that we've kind of become more comfortable with as a way to stay connected. And we feel is okay for us in, in our relationship to each other. Because it's not like, you know, we need to, again, kind of to your last point, we don't secretly go off and masturbate. That's not anything that is interesting to us. The, the point is, is that we can stay connected that way if we, if we need to even more positive. Again, while it's open, it's not you're not feeling like you have to report these things either. Uh, You're not being held accountable by each other. It's that openness and and, uh, comfortable relationship, that friendship that you have, that you're able to share these things because it means something to both of you. That's exciting. That's, I think, an important takeaway. Nicole, what's your perspective on this? I love sending David videos and pictures at the last place we worked. I would try to time it to, because I'm a horrible person, I would try to time it to send him a, a picture, a very risky picture, when he was in important conference meetings, because 
You I'm are evil. <laughs> you are absolutely horrible. <laughs> How can you do that? Yeah, I, I'm being facetious. There's probably completely. multiple co-workers of his that have seen me in various states of undress, and I love it. <laughs> um, but um, it's not because they're seeing me. It's not that at all. It's because I, when David is busy at work, you know, stressing about getting certain deadlines done or finishing up projects, I want him to know that I'm thinking about him and I'm cheering him on in, you know, just a quick second, even if it's just something that he can glance at really quick and then put his phone away and check out later, that he knows that I'm thinking about him, that I'm pre- I appreciate how he's supporting us and our family. And so I'm doing what I can to visually support him. That sounds like a team. Very open. Uh, do you, do you uh, reciprocate David? Do you try to embarrass her? I, I only rarely try to embarrass her. I, I worry less about embarrassment and more just about reciprocating that I feel like I, she does it a lot more than I do. And, and that's okay in our relationship because I am more the visual person than her. But I like to do it periodically so that she knows that I appreciate what she sends. I want to reciprocate and, and help her to keep doing it, to know that it's something that I appreciate and that it's valued and, and I'm willing to, I guess, put myself out there and, and say, I'm not trying to set something that other people can see. But, um, but just to know that, that it's, a, it's an equal partnership there as well. That's wonderful. So how do you, with two young kids... Make sure you're giving each other adequate time and attention. What do you, what do you two do to navigate that? I try to get him in the pantry as often as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and you did say you have a lock on the pantry. Is that how it works? I guess with a so, one and five year old, yeah, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, we, we do tend to sneak off if they are um, safe and distracted. We do try to sneak off a little bit. But what we do, because intimacy is more than just physical stuff. We go, and we've been doing this our whole marriage, just about every night, we go on a walk, and, um, you know, baby goes in the stroller, the son rides the scooter, and we go on a walk, and we talk. We talk about important things, we talk about landscape and meaningless things, Um, we just talk. We get that communication open, during the day, we go over things that happen, and, and things that we want to accomplish our goals together, and we have had some incredible experiences because of those simple evening walks uh, that we take. And so intimacy definitely, I feel like, is started there every evening. And then our kids have a strict 7 o'clock bedtime. Unless if the second coming is happening, my kids are in bed at 7 o'clock. And I am firm with that. I don't care if family is visiting. (laughs) They are in bed at 7 o'clock because it's our time. After 7 o'clock, we, we take a little bit of relaxation time, and then we have our time together for the rest of the evening. And most of the time, that does include sex, um, but not always. Just as long as we are together, that's been really big for us. So how do you navigate that part of it? When uh, do, do you communicate specifically, tonight's the night we're going to have sex, or we're just going to cuddle, or is this more of just body language? How do you... David and Nicole discuss that, or is that a verbal, emotional communication, or do you just know? So it's both, and we don't always do this correctly. Let me just let me just state that. Um, so sometimes, you know, sometimes there's days that uh, that Nicole will specifically say, you know, I need sex tonight. But maybe that by the time that comes, the kids have been so frustrating that we don't end up having sex. Or you know, maybe maybe there's something that uh, that I forgot during that daytime and I wasn't in the right mindset for it and, and we end up, you know, not being on the same page. That happens sometimes. But for the most part, what we either just go full direct if we feel like that's if that's needed, but um or we just kind of try to flirt a little bit during the day. And part of that aspect, a lot of it has to do with prioritizing the time. So we do try to prioritize family time and the kids' time while they're awake. But during that time period we also try to prioritize each other when possible. So you know if it's something like a, a quick kiss, and it's, we do it in a way that's more fun. If you're kind of just like the, you know, honey, I'm home type of kiss, that's great, but it may not kind of get your motor running. And so we like to do fun little things where, you know, we've got our kids, so we got to be a little sneaky. And, you know, maybe we're flashing each other. Or maybe we're, we're, you know, grabbing each other quickly in the hall or something like that. Um, and and we, we do try to do things and be a bit careful. I guess I'm a very direct person when it comes to communication and that's something that I did pick up from 
from my previous marriage of wanting to have direct communication. There's a talk on it, like it's called content communication. And so I've, I've talked to Nicole and I just kind of said, you know, there's lots of times that in, especially if it's important in order to avoid misunderstanding, because no matter how well our intentions are, we, we may not always pick up what the other person is putting down in the way that they're suggesting something. And so um, we feel like we should be able to be really open if, you know, if, if you do need or want something, just say it. And that's perfectly acceptable. But we also try to keep it fun with other things uh, as we can too. Yeah, I have learned it's much easier to be direct with with David and there's <laughs> no point in beating around the bush. Um, <laughs> I just say either I want sex or I dive into his pants. He'll get the message either way and, <laughs> and we end up having sex. I think there's this too, too many think we should just know, or, yeah, you know, if I have to tell you it kills the mood, well, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that's part of learning and understanding each other's sexual drives and being clear and, and open with each other. And, uh, it sounds like you two are navigating that quite well. Any other things that you feel like are important for our general listeners to know about your relationship, whether things you had to navigate, overcome, uh, you still struggle with, but any other thoughts that you feel like you should share? Um, there was one thought I was thinking of that's maybe not directly related to the intimacy, but talking about what we were talking about with um, kind of prioritizing each other. One thing that Nicole has done well, and I think she's done it in a way that has been very correct and not detrimental to our kids, but um, is she has made it clear to the kids, you know, like when our older son will mention something and, and you know, she's very good at saying, look, you know, David's my, my husband, he's my friend, like, I, he's very important to me, you guys are extremely important to me too, but it doesn't mean that, that it takes over our relationship, and so it's, it's one of the things that has helped kind of establish that our relationship as husband and wife is something that we need to continue to cherish and enjoy, and it's sometimes a little different for us. It's not always the same thing to be, for example, a husband and a father. Sometimes I'm more of a father. And sometimes I'm more a husband, um, even when I'm with my kids, because I want to prioritize my life in that moment. The other thing that, that we have found to be important, kind of like Nicole mentions with the walks, is we do feel it's important to have a little bit of time um, each day that, that's our, our time. We feel that in order to have a healthy relationship together, we need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. And so we try to prioritize kind of that time each day uh, you know we have all of our family time and we do our work and different things um, and we have a great time with our kids and then when the kids go to bed generally the first like, like Nicole was saying half hour an hour it's time for us to just do whatever we want to do for ourselves um, and oftentimes that's together you know maybe we're both reading a book in the same room we really enjoy that or maybe um, I might even be playing a game and she's, she's um, reading a book or we're watching a show or something but Oftentimes we prioritize that time for ourselves and we feel like that's something that's really important. We have that understanding that if either of us says, look, I just need some, I need some alone time right now. It's not because I need time away from you. It's because I need time by myself um, in order to be able to, you know, like maybe I had a stressful day or maybe the kids were difficult or work was difficult. Um, and I just want to be able to, to, to work on myself for a little bit. That's good. That's acceptable in our marriage. Um, and we try to prioritize and support each other whenever something like that comes up of, of, you know, hey, I need a little bit of time in whatever fashion that is. And then we always have the good, enjoyable time with each other at the end of that because we've gotten on a good place. Something that comes to mind for me is that for me as the wife to David and as the mother to our two kids, I feel like owning my sexuality is so important and it doesn't just affect me, but it affects my relationship with David and also it affects my relationship with my kids. I want to be a good, strong example of what a confident woman is to our son and our daughter. So that way they will expect that, you know, either with a future spouse or in themselves later. It doesn't just affect me. It affects three other people very directly. And I am often very concerned about women that I've met through the different wards that we have been in who are so nervous to accept that part of themselves. And they 
don't think that they can flirt with their husband openly if their kids are around or even if they're on a date away from their kids because they can't get out of that motherhood role. But it's important to put yourself, your neutrality, not necessarily always the first place, but you do need to prioritize it because it does impact those other people in your family. And I am grateful for the confidence um, I was blessed with between how I was raised and also I think it is a gift that Heavenly Father gave me because I am a much happier person. I'm, I, like I was saying, I know I've met very um, a number of women who are afraid to have sex with the lights on. They're afraid to express themselves to their husband, even though they've been married longer than, longer than I have and they have all this experience, but yet they are so afraid to own it and to be happy with it and to enjoy their husband because I think sex is something that we should be enjoying with our spouses, not just for them, but for ourselves. I really appreciate pointing out that this is an example to our kids and what a true Latter-day Saint is in, in their sexuality and in their faith and their beliefs. And I realize there's a variety of reasons why people behave the way they do, but what is, what do you, when you say that other women are hesitant or, or timid around this topic and, and being able to express themselves to their husband, what do you think is the main driver for that? What's, what's preventing them from doing that? I think it's our culture. I think it's the lessons that we are taught in um, young women. I think it's those modesty lessons. Um, I think it's um, how we are taught. We need to be covering garments at all times. Therefore, you need to be wearing garments at all times. Um, I think it's the shame culture that happens. I, I think we are not celebrating women's sexuality like we should be. I, um, you know, over the last few months, I have discovered Kristen Hodgson and I love her. I only go on Instagram to check what she has posted <laughs> most recently because she is a great example of an LDS woman who celebrates her sexuality and she does it to be an example to her kids and to other women out there. Um, I think we need to celebrate it more and to find ways to express it more and not to be ashamed of it like we are frequently taught in those young women's lessons. The lessons, the modesty lessons are being, from what it sounds like, is is translated into flirtation is immodest. Uh, Expressing your sexual desires, even in marriage, is not within that chastity, modesty lesson that that we're raised with. And and so that's what I'm hearing you say is, is that's what's preventing that. And and I agree. I appreciate you two uh, coming on and, and being so vulnerable and opening up. I know that there are so many listeners out there who uh, are taking away a, a lot of valuable things from this. And just the fact that somebody else is talking about it. I can't tell you how much that means to people. Uh, how often I get people come to me and say, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily doing better in my relationship, but I now know what it looks like. It's so refreshing to hear real people talk about uh, their activity in the church and that they are active in the church and that they are having these experiences in the bedroom or in your case, outside of the bedroom. Um, and that it's good and that it brings you both together uh, the way you guys navigate your, you know, the type of material you use to help get you ready to masturbation, to being able to bring it all together and benefit your entire relationship. I think these important lessons for everybody to hear. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time and, and, and sharing. No, thanks for having us, Daniel. It's been great reflecting on everything and how far we've come since those first marriages. Um, it's, it's nice to remember how, the journey that we've taken and how we both have improved and how we both are really happy. So, you know, I feel for those people who are not happy in their marriage right now, but I mean, we were at that stage and I know it can get better for everyone as long as they're both trying. So thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, you're saying, yeah, echo that. And thanks for having us on. It was fun to be able to discuss the relationship. And so we don't mind talking about it because we, we think it's a very positive, healthy, fun thing for us. And we hope other people are having just as much fun in their relationships.